Well, a quiet session with the US and the UK on holiday, but the PMIs were out for China. The People's Bank of China is concerned about the rising wire, and we'll look at what they're doing about that. And more Chinese. Each family can now have three children. Remember when Peter Costello was telling us we should all do the same thing? Today it's the RBA. Will they change their tone as the global economic recovery happens faster than many had expected, including the OECD, who have just upped their forecast again. And on the virus, the UK recorded one fatality from COVID on Monday, the lowest ever. It's Tuesday, the 1st of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar falling back down again, losing 0.2% on the DXY. Of course, it fell steadily over the last month. And over that month, the Japanese yen was the only major currency to fall against it. Overnight, the Aussie has regained some ground. It's up a quarter percent to just over 77.3 US cents. The euro and the Japanese yen are up by a similar proportion. The pound struggling to gain much ground. The Chinese yuan holding on to the gains it made over recent weeks. 6.37 yuan to the US dollar now. And stock markets closed in the US and the UK. But in Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 is down three quarters of 1%. Bond markets are pretty lackluster, but, you know, they have been for the last month, haven't they? So what's changed there? Uh, oil is up 0.9% for Brent, but still not enough to break through the $70 mark, although it did get pretty close, 69.82, which is close to the high over the last year. But the high over the last year also did break through the $70 mark. So it's been a fairly quiet session. The US and the UK are on holiday, but it's a busy day today, including the RBA, but lots of other data as well out today. So let's talk through all of this with Tapas Strickland, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. Let's start with what little news we've had uh, overnight, Tapas, and yesterday. China's manufacturing PMIs, uh, they were a little below expectations, but non-manufacturing was higher than anticipated. So uh, has the rising value of the yuan, uh, which I do want to talk about, has that got anything to do with these numbers? Uh, Good morning, Phil. Yet the uh, Chinese PMIs were fairly... Interesting, even though they printed fairly close to consensus. As you noted, manufacturing was at 51.0 against 51.1 expected. And uh, when you looked within the sub-indexes, the new orders component actually fell from 52.0 to a one-year low of 51.3. So that does suggest maybe demand is starting to level off a little bit uh, within China as uh, the peak of the stimulus passes, and perhaps also in terms of export orders as well as uh, as other economies start rebooting their own manufacturing industries. And as we've seen, the manufacturing PMIs being very strong out of Europe and the US, that definitely plays into that story. So maybe there is some little bit of a spillover in terms of people's thoughts about why the PBOC yesterday did take some actions to stem some of the strength in CNY that we have seen. Right, yeah. I mean, there was one uh, official from the bank, uh, People's Bank of China saying that the rise was down to speculation and it isn't sustainable. So what about their response then? Because they're trying to get le- less foreign currencies coming on shore. So uh, explain what they're doing here. Yeah, so they've done two things. So they've basically signaled that they're their tolerance for a further rapid strength in the currency, I think, is, is fading. And the first one was uh, they fixed the yuan reference rate at 6.3682 per dollar on Monday. And that versus the average consensus estimate of 6.3656. So it does suggest that the PBOC has become a little bit unhappy. And then the second one, and this is probably the biggest signal, is that the People's Bank of China also raised the reserve requirement for banks' foreign exchange deposits to 7% from 5%. And effectively what that does is by requiring banks to set aside a larger amount of foreign exchange holdings, the PBOC effectively is reducing the market's dollar liquidity Mm. uh, and in turn limits the decline in the US dollar relative to the 
yuan. So if we look over the last uh, month, throughout April, the yuan gained close to 3% on the US dollar, whilst the Aussie dollar, well, it was only only gaining about 1.3%. I mean, normally they are like two peas in a pod, aren't they? Now they're heading in the same direction, but a very different order of magnitude. Yes, it's really interesting with the Aussie, and even our short-term and medium-term fair value models suggest the Aussie should be trading a little bit higher from here. Uh, and some of the factors that may be holding back the Aussie include uh, when we look at the seasonality of the Aussie over the past 10 years or so, uh, Mays tend to be relatively bad for the Aussie. So the Aussie has is, is tended to underperform in Mays. Uh, and so we've just passed May. So maybe uh, that was one of those underperformance months. Um, in addition to that, with China, a lot of that strength obviously is being driven by, by the stimulus. And that's bidding up commodity prices right, right around the world. And we've seen that strength through Australia's key commodity exports. But at the same time, miners haven't really raised their investment plans to much extent. And it looks like most of the mining firms are choosing to um, distribute the gains from high commodity prices through dividends and share buybacks to their shareholders rather than invest in new mines, which did occur during the peak of the mining boom back in uh, the kind of 2007 to to 2012 period. Now, in other news, uh, China has announced that couples can now have three children. It's not compulsory, uh, but you can have three children. It's not compulsory yet. Uh, You know, they've only just got rid, of course, of that the one-child policy. Well, not that long ago. And the fertility rate has been falling. Uh, So uh, this is quite a departure, isn't it, for China? And obviously, they are very concerned about the number of children being born. Oh, a very sharp move. And just remember, it was only back in 2016 when China uh, scrapped its decades-old one-child policy. Uh, And that was uh, initially imposed to halt that population explosion. What we have seen out of the Chinese population data is some suggestions that population growth may have actually been negative over the past couple of years. And um, although... China didn't release the kind of annual data. Um, it does suggest that the Chinese authorities are a little bit worried in terms of where population growth is is heading and is really aimed at trying to boost up uh, population growth in the near term. And uh, going back a couple of years ago, there was a lot of speculation about whether China grows old before it grows rich, uh, just given that one-child policy is creating a very big demographic bulge <laughs> yeah. uh, of um, ageing uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, of the aging of the population. Aging population, yeah. Look, look, I love the fact while you're talking about kids there, uh, you, we had yours in the background. Uh, right on cue. Uh, look, <laughs> do you remember 2004? That was when Peter Costello said that we should have three kids. You know, we should have one for mum, one for dad, and one for the uh, country. And, you know, normally it wouldn't take uh, family planning advice from Peter Costello, but he did put money in our bank accounts if we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, that helped. The fertility rate did kick up a little bit when he said that. So, look, uh, look today, the RBA, while we're talking about Australia, um, they have already indicated that July is the one to watch. At least that's when they're going to decide whether they roll over their three-year bond purchase to November 2024. But they have been very dovish, haven't they? Which is in sharp contrast to the RBNZ. So could we see a slight moderation in their language this time, perhaps? Oh, I think the RBA will keep a pretty close bat. Um, I, I imagine they're still deliberating exactly what they're going to do with their unconventional policy settings there, and they're waiting for July for that key meeting. Um, in terms of the new information that we have seen uh, since the last meeting, um, we've seen business conditions in Australia in the NAB business survey at record highs. Uh, the unemployment rate has fallen to 5.5%, and the federal budget, I think, is pretty important. It's more stimulatory than most had expected. Uh, but then again, against that, you've got Victoria, uh, who is in lockdown, um, and we don't think 
think that will necessarily feed through to their forecast or thinking on the economy if that lockdown remains of a short duration. And just worth noting, in the RBA's forecast profiles in the latest SOMP, their central profile um, assumed that um, if there were to be virus outbreaks, uh, the lockdowns would only be of a short run temporary nature. And so that would be the base case that the RBA is going into there. Um, So if we don't get too much from the RBA meeting today, I think markets will be looking more closely at a speech by uh, the head of economics uh, who's speaking at Minerals Week on Wednesday. And then also Deputy Governor DeBell is giving Senate testimony to the uh, Senate Economics Legislation Committee on Wednesday as well. So we Uh, might get a few sound bites from there. Right. And look, on the virus, some good news uh, from both the UK and the USA. This shows how things are heading uh, sharply in the right direction because the UK on Monday reported one fatality from COVID-19, one, which I think is the lowest number ever because even on the first day they reported cases, there were there were multiple fatalities. US infections now below 8,000, which sounds like a lot in a day, but remember they reached over 300,000 a day. So 8,000 is actually the lowest since the early days of the pandemic in early March. So two very important sets of numbers uh, this morning from both the UK and the USA. Very important days. And I guess it highlights what markets have been pricing for the past, say, nine months. It's uh, the rollout of of the vaccines that have proved to be very effective against all the virus mutations that we have seen so far. And that enables markets to continue to price that other side of the recovery. And now you're starting to see uh, more people in Europe and in the US talking about international travel as well and the opening up of travel corridors or vaccine passports as well. And I've noticed a few headlines coming out of Europe um, with a lot of the Greek um, um, islands and Spain and Portugal seeking to quickly vaccinate uh, many parts of their population to get international tourism back. Yeah, just imagine a holiday on the Greek islands. I love the sound of that. Uh, look, also, I mean, it's, it's a sign of you know the fact that things are going so well that we've got the OECD uh, revising their forecasts. Yes, that's right. So the OECD had only just released forecasts in March. So uh, I think it's pretty significant that they've actually revised up further from here. And they expect the global economy to grow by 5.8% this year. And previously, they had penciled in 56 and 4.4% next year. And they previously penciled in 4.0%. So not market moving, but does play into that theme of a broad pickup in economic activity as you do roll out those vaccines and as you do ease up on those lockdown restrictions. Now, if you want a sign of how boring May was for bond markets, 10-year rates were at most five basis points up or down from where they were at the end of April. That is across the G10 and uh, add Australia onto that as well. Uh, Just five basis points. Whereas if you want excitement uh, over the same period when bonds moved just five basis points, Bitcoin moved, well, down 3,915 basis points. Oops. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, it is very, bond markets have been surprisingly flat. Yes, it has been unusual in the amount of stability within the 10 year yield and pretty much has been rangy for the past two months. So when you do delve down into some of the details, though, it's just worth noting the US 10 year implied inflation break even rose by 4.2 basis points in May to 2.45%. Um, so it does suggest. Within markets, there is some fear still of a near-term lift in inflation. When you look at the inflation curve in the US, though, uh, it's, it's, it's inverted, um, so it's downward sloping. So it does suggest um, market participants don't expect uh, the lift in inflation to be more, more permanent. Uh, but I think that will be really interesting uh, to watch 
going forward and will definitely be um, looked at quite closely by the Fed as well. Now, Monday might have been fairly quiet, but look ahead, looking ahead today, it's, it's pretty chocker, isn't it? We get the euro area CPI. Uh, we get the flash number for May for that. We get Canada's GDP. It's expected to be 1% month on month. In March, we get US manufacturing ISM for May. We get the Keijin manufacturing PMI in China. Uh, building approvals for Australia, plus the current account balance, plus uh, Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England talking in the early hours of tomorrow morning if you're having difficulty sleeping. So uh, we've got lots to talk about on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, it's a very busy day today with uh, a number of pre-GDP partials for Australia ahead of Q1 GDP on Wednesday. So today we get net exports, inventories, company profits and government spending. Uh, and also today we also get house price data for May, which is likely to rise by around 2%, just given the weekly price growth that we have seen so far and building approvals, which is likely to retrace last month's sharp rise. Um, internationally, we also get a mattering of very top tier data, including the Kaishan Manufacturing PMI, Eurozone CPI, US ISM Manufacturing, and uh, the Fed's Quiles and Brainard are also speaking as well. Okay, well, good. Thank you, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. And that is it. That's the morning call for this Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow. See you then.